Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host, Maz, joined here with my co-host, Mutahir, and we're going over Hero of Ages, chapters 59 to 70. This is the start of part five, the final part of the final book of this trilogy, Hero of Ages. And oh my god, I'm so excited. Previously on Ava, I mean the Hero of Ages. Erto is in flames. Spook's status as of right now, is unknown. He got burned really badly or burned so badly that he is now barbecue and he is dead. Um, spoilers, he is not. Uh, Vin is captured by Yeoman. Still captured by Yeoman. It feels like she hasn't done anything for a couple episodes because she's a prisoner. And <laughs> preservation, body slash consciousness. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. The body of the only god that is on the side of humans is dead. Um, so that can't be good. Um, chapter 59, take it away with that. Uh, so the epigraph is talking about the Coloss and like how we don't really know if they have the memories left. They probably don't, but uh, except for maybe human, he's like the odd titan out the odd coloss out not titan they're very similar and yeah that's about really it they don't really know the link between the coloss and uh and hemallergy and inquisitors or they they wouldn't have if if human didn't like yearn to become human again so badly um and chapter 59 and soon he's just uh he put Kelsier's bones outside the city before going into or or to uh and he finds Ellen's soldiers at the ministry building there and uh he's taken to Breeze and Breeze is taken Breeze takes him to say Zed and he actually doesn't like want to talk to say Zed because with experience and stuff keepers are usually like really annoying about religion and stuff uh but Tensun is like super shocked that say Zed is actually holding a non-religious conversation and say Zed is gonna help him out help him out any way that he can yeah he's like oh okay you're not a religious freak anymore okay i'll have a conversation with you um, chapter 60's epigraph was kind of weird. It was, once again, I'm pretty confused about this stuff, but <laughs> preservation made the, <clears throat> no, ruins prison was not made by preservation, but it was of preservation and he like gave up. Yeah, his it was not of his power. It was like of his consciousness. And again, he's already given up so much of himself through humanity and then now the consciousness that yeah. there's like not much of him left. And um, uh, whenever Ruin left, he started to like... Just, yeah, just really suffocate. hammer away what was left. Yeah. yeah. And I thought this was funny because it said like he had to trust in humanity, right? Because this, in the soul of every human being is preservation. So he had to trust in humanity and he went on to say, I wonder what he thought when humanity failed him all the time. <laughs> Just like, oh, <"Aw." laughs> um, but yeah, so this is um, 
okay, so I wanted to clarify this because I think I might have gotten it wrong previous episodes because I, this is a little confusing. Both preservation and ruin together need to create are needed to create mankind. But as you know, I think I did get this right last time, just not the time before. But you know, for clarification, why not? Um, both preservation and ruin together are needed to create mankind. So what ended up happening is that he made a deal that in exchange for mankind having a piece of him, which would be the soul, in exchange, ruin would have the opportunity to destroy the world. Right? That at the end that there would be an end. But then preservation cheated the deal and imprisoned ruin because he didn't want him to create or destroy what he worked so hard to create, what he was giving up pieces of himself to do. And, um, yeah. So that's where the well ascension came from. And that's, that's it. Uh, but I guess he, uh, preservation because he put pieces of himself. He was hoping that humanity would find a solution. What is that solution? I don't freaking know. I guess we'll find out. Maybe there is no solution. Maybe the world just ends in ash. And, you know, we just start over. So that's chapter 67. I think. Yeah. I hope I got it right. Yeah. Uh, in chapter 60, the, um, the guards come to get Vin, and obviously she attacks, uh, loses, goes to Yeoman, <laughs> loses again. Uh, was. Uh, and Yeoman actually has ATM, like he's like burning it, and that's why he has like beads on his forehead and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I guess he's an ATM misting then, right? Like yeah. we talked about this a little bit ago. They're like, whenever Ellen kind of confirmed himself, it's like, oh yeah, he's on a mist form because you know he didn't do anything to defend himself. But then here he is clearly burning ATM. Now maybe then he was just so. Supremely confident that nothing was going to happen to him, but I don't believe it. You know, like I don't think anyone like Yeoman is fool enough to be that blindly confident. So I think he's an ATM mystic. Yeah, I think he is too. And like, why else would he have it on his forehead? <laughs> so what would they? What would they call him? You know, you got coin shots, you got lurchers for the people who pull, you got um... thugs. Um, time jumper, seekers, time jumper, or like uh, time crawler, what about clairvoyant, or prophet. No, that's too generic for this. <laughs> I mean, you got a thug, right? And coin shot, like it. The, it seems like those are street almost, right? Street names. So, mm-hmm. what would you? What would they call them? Like. Uh, scout. Yeah, that's maybe not a bad name. Scouts, they could see, but Spider-Man. I don't know. Because Ten Eye, you could see, would be more like a scout. So I don't know. I don't know. That's pointless going over it. So yeah, continue. My bad. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so Yeoman actually thinks that the Lord Ruler isn't dead, but Ben is like, No, what are you? trust me. Yeah. What are you, stupid conspiracy <laughs> theorist? No, yeah, seriously. And oh my god, ruins there and is like you know whispering stuff to Vin, as always. And uh, she knows that Yeoman won't kill Vin because Yeoman thinks that Vin is the key to the Lord Ruler's 
whole scheme that he that Yeoman thinks that the Lord Ruler has going on. And uh, Yeoman thinks that she's like crazy. Uh, and chapter sixty one, the um, uh, epigraph. Wait, is... There is one. There is a couple things that I want to discuss here. Um, well, not a couple things. Just one thing. Uh, she does start to wonder though that if Yeoman can see ruin, which we know in upcoming epigraphs, or might have been just before this, that they tried to spike. Uh, yeoman, but they were just not successful ever. And uh, the epigraphs are saying that it's it was very difficult for Ruin to actually achieve this. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, and the other thing I wanted to bring up was that, yes, uh, he doesn't know why they're here, which kind of confused me because I thought he... Because Ellen asked him that at the party, right? He's like, you know, about the cash, mm-hmm. Lord Ruler's cash, so... Oh, I think this is more about like why the cash itself. I mean, I don't know. Like again, it go back goes back to the ATM thing. Um, you know, why are you searching for the ATM? It has no value unless you, you know, unless you have just an army of mistborn, or in this case, I guess a misting to burn it. So, yeah, uh, it brings up a good point, but I. I'll be honest, and we're going to get to it soon. I don't know if I really uh, totally buy Yeoman's transformation. I don't even know if it was that quickly. It just... It was just not fleshed out at all. Yeah, it felt a little like... It wasn't quick. It was just sort of sudden, which I don't think is the same thing. I don't even know if sudden is the right word. It felt kind of like convenient. Right? That's the right word. Almost like a plot device. Kind of like, all right. We're just going to have him join up. Um, and I'm not saying that there wasn't like thought behind this or anything like that at all, but it could have been a, maybe a little bit smoother. Like, I'm not saying he, he didn't smooth it out because there was a whole back and forth. Um, Which was and Yeoman's a smart guy, right? Like, he's not an idiot. But again, it, it felt, a, to me, it felt like it could have been done a, just a tad bit smoother. And maybe I'm just nitpicking, but I guess when you got an author as good as Sanderson, you. Evolve into nitpicking. Yeah. Uh, Chapter 61's epigraph. It was talking about how, like, they actually could have made grown food with the sun that they had. The mist actually didn't really, like, like, it affected them, of course, but it they could have survived. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was just the ash. The ash was, yeah, the ash was the issue. Um, and what happens in chapter 61 is Ellen comes back to camp and Ham's telling him that like everybody's dying, everything's getting destroyed. Uh, and Ellen knows that he can't like leave in or waste the colas that he's got. And he, he just tells Ham that he's going to leave. He's, they're going to attack in the morning, which why not attack now? Maybe gives their soldiers a good, a last good night's sleep. Maybe I, uh, who I needs know. morality? Or I guess it's his way of saying we attack at dawn. Line. <laughs> so is that from Game of Thrones? No, it's from like everything. Oh, true. 
And chapter 62, the epigraph, he's saying, okay, by the way, I think this is Seizad, by the way, because Seizad hasn't been mentioned once, and... Yeah, but again, if we're talking this thing that ascends basically into godhood, if we're right about that, even, like... No, I'm saying the author of the epigraphs. That's what I mean. Like, if we're saying that the hero of ages is... Like, you know, the one that ascends into godhood, which, again, we may not even be right about that. Are we uh, sure that the person, like, because preservation's consciousness takes over or ruins consciousness or whatever the hell the thing is going to be, um, he could be talking in third person. I, oh, sorry, third, he, third person. Yeah, third person. He's not. He said I before. Hmm. Uh, I see. Yeah, I'm sure I can. Maybe my only thing is later he says uh, when he's discussing with the first generation, which we'll get to. Um, he says something like, "Uh, that the prophecy said that it, it's someone separate from terrorists, like." Because remember, that was the same thing with Lord Ruler himself, right? That's why they never, that's why they were so ready to accept, what's his name? Alendi? Alendi. Yeah, Alendi. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Well, I just think, like, sorry? No, go ahead. I just think that, like, he's the author because of the way that he sort of talks. Mm -hmm. And I also think that Seizet is gonna get some power at the end of this like maybe the hero of ages power or whatever because he didn't die in book two like that's just literally like the only reason and he was (laughs) useless for all of book three until now (laughs) yeah i mean i could see that that's honestly like not even bad either but that's why i kind of feel like it could be spook too right because he was useless for all of book two before he became useful and basically all of book three. Um, and yeah. that would feel really cool as like an ascendancy for his character. It's just like, you know, could you imagine like him ascending to becoming the hero of ages? And then like, like, you know, Kelsier's could finally be proud of me. You know, like, could you imagine that redemption, right? Because Erto yeah. is basically on fire because of him. Um, and I wonder, like, the burns that he has, right? That if he heals himself with the power of the Hero of Ages, like, you know, just becomes a shimmering golden god. (laughs) That'd be cool. What if, like, what if, like, Spook gets, like, Ruin's power and Seized gets, like, Preservation's power or the other way around? No. Okay, so, like, okay, that brings up a good point, right? Because if we're going off of um th- we're gonna okay we're gonna get to that later actually continue going because i'll table this for later on in the episode go ahead okay where are we again chapter 62 oh yeah say zed's uh uh checking in on spook but he's still like kind of uh crispy if you know what i'm saying <laughs> well barbecue <laughs> and Mr. Tensoon comes in uh, and he says the word announcer and that like kind of did a 
let go moment for say Zed and he's like, wait, what? Uh, because he's like, he should be the only person who knows it. Him and Tin Will and Tin Will's not around. And Ten Soon, uh, he kind of gives us a, a nice story that what's his name? Ra- the guy, Rashik, his, the other people that was there other than Elendi, uh, Rashik gave those people immortality uh, in the form of being a miswraith. And but he also... Kondra. He instantly... Or he just Kondra. Straight made him Kondra, which that was... Okay, this, okay, so this moment, by the way, is the moment where... You started binge reading? Uh, no, this is actually the first moment. I forgot to say this last week. There were two moments when I, like, air-fisted at work. And this was one of the... Or almost air-fisted, and this was one of them. I was like... Oh, you read this at work? Yeah, this part I read. Oh, I thought you finished it at night, and then you overslept. No, no, no. This was... I was reading it at work, and the binging part comes a little bit later. Oh, okay. A little bit later. Um, But, yeah. And then... uh. Mr. Lord Ruler Man, he stabs the the guys with hermalurgy her things to give them more humanity. And they're the first generation. They're the poopy <laughs> ones. Was... Isn't there only four first generation people? Ten. Four first generation. Uh, there's ten? There's only ten, yeah. How many people are brought to... I honestly huh. don't remember. I'm guessing, I, I guess maybe 12, right? 10 um, of the first generation. And then Rashek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? Remember in book one, whenever they were talking about how the Miss Spirit was like trying to kill one of the <laughs> dudes? Remember that part? Yeah, I tried to attack one of Rashek's yeah. friends. Yeah. That's like. What if we hear his name? I might actually like remember hear whose name, or we might see his name again. The the guy oh, who got stabbed, yeah, yeah, because yeah, his name guy. was mentioned. So yeah, they be, we figured out that they became the first generation of the Chandra, and uh, Sezed is like, wait, these guys know about the original Sezed, not Sezed religion, Terrace religion. And so they go back to the homeland, or Sayset is going to go to the homeland with Mr. Tensoon, man. Yep, and all because he says the word holy announcer. Holy announcer? No, just the announcer. Calls him the announcer, which tipped off the whole wait. And I thought that was really beautifully done because you could see it, right? The words were changed by ruin, and so... But yeah, sorry, go ahead, chapter 63. Um, the epigraph, he, Ruin was trying to get spikes into people from the crew, but it was like, it's like a lot harder than it sounds to do that. And, uh, not only is it hard to get a spike to the person, it's also hard to actually stick it in the right, like, spot, uh, even for Ruin. Uh, yeah. And he actually did manage to get a spike into Yeoman one time, but Yeoman removed it, removed it like immediately. <laughs> I wonder if he knew what he was removing, right? Like, or was it just like a 
hey, I never wanted this, and he takes it off. <laughs> um, and in chapter sixty three, Ruin's like bragging that Vin lost and Ruin won, and he's going to destroy the world. And the guards take her to take her to Yeoman again, and she's like offering to tell him everything that that he uh, asks and she she has the guards or she has yeoman send for maps <clears throat> that show where all the secret caches are and a map with like the mineral mines um and she then realizes that ruin's been sending her to to find atm like this whole time yeah because um the the way is genius, right? Because we talked about this, I think more than one episode before. That if Ruin is doing all this, can and we know that he can't change what's in metal, but can he read what's in metal? And we talked about that too, right? It's like, okay, is it just that he can't, like, he can read it, but he just can't change it, or it's not even like he has read permissions either. <laughs> um, <laughs> So confirmed, he does not have read permissions. Uh, I wonder if he execute permissions. That's a <laughs> that's a Linux jokes for all you IT nerds out there. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I like the way that Vin figured that one out. Um, and then she like starts taunting Rune right away. I love that. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. And but, then... but I feel like. Remember, uh, sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off again, but this was, um, I brought this up, I think, last episode or the one before that, too. Is ATM Ruin's body? Because he's looking desperately for ATM, right? And we knew that earlier from like an epigraph, like, I don't even know, halfway through the book, the epigraph says that uh, he, that Ruin was looking for his body. Um, and right now we know that he's looking desperately for ATM. Now, is it ATM itself his body, or does it somehow lead him to his body? Right? Uh, like maybe if he, since he's a god, if he consumes enough ATM, then like it could give him images of where his body's at for whatever reason. Um, so, and then this would also make sense. And also, by the way, this confirms your theory of, in my opinion, it confirms that your theory that Vin is. Vin's earrings are hemolurgy spikes. Um, because Vin's like obsessed with finding ATM as well, and then she doesn't really realize why she's obsessed with finding ATM because you know, Yoan's right, ATM has no value other than if you have like an army of Mistborn. So, and then, uh, yeah, Marsh walks in, uh, wanting Yoan's ATM and. Uh, Yeoman is like, yo, I only have a few beads. And Ruin is like, not happy. He screams in the form of Reen, and then he like, half transforms into that black mist smoke uh, we saw back in book two, which we figured out was his body. Or like, I don't know. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, and Vince says, Marsh says that Ellen's going to attack the city, but Vin's like, no, he's not, because he's better than me. And she wants Yeoman, she's offering Yeoman to join Vin's side 
to take down Martian Ruin. Yep. And, oh, man. I love I, the Martian's entrance here was like, for me, it was jaw-dropping. I don't know about you. When he came in, I was like, oh, I did not see that coming. But it makes sense, right? Because he's still going to think of Marsh as this, um, uh, what is this holy being, right? Because he still believes in the Lord Ruler. I'm talking about Yeoman, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then chapter 64, the epicraft for that, <clears throat> who I think is Sezed, is questioning why didn't ruin send for a cash whenever he knew it was there um and he didn't send one because they were busy doing other tasks and he i don't really get this one it's not like there's it's not like justified why he didn't you're talking about the epigraph in 64 yeah I mean, um you have an army of inquisitors. He could have just yeah, said, but he could have. But he's not. He's looking everywhere, right? He has an army of inquisitors, but presumably he's sending them all over the place to look for Atium. And then when Yeoman said that he had Atium, remember when he was like he basically taunted or not taunted, but he misled uh, Ellen and Finn into thinking that he had Atium. That's when he's like, okay, now nah, I gotta send my guys. Uh, yeah, that makes more sense. And then he sent Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Is that's that, is that's why only... Marsh showed up here. What's her? Is he the only Inquisitor? He no, no. He has several. That's what I mean. That like he, those other Inquisitors are all over the place. Marsh just happens to be, I guess, his lieutenant or the one. He is for sure the most, probably the most powerful because he is the most heavily spiked. He has more spikes oh, than yeah. any other Inquisitor. Yeah. What a nasty, nasty man. And uh, and uh, Chapter 64, Spook, like, he, like, wakes up from uh, someone that's definitely Kelsier. Uh, yeah, telling... okay, so this time it has to be Kelsier, <laughs> right? Like, second time's a charm. That's how the saying goes. Don't correct me if the saying goes. Um, it's uh, third time. Did I stutter? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Spook, Spook hears a voice, Kelsier's voice, of course. Yeah, so Spook hears the voice. He's like, this message has to go to him. It's like a Star Wars flashback almost. And I felt like it was more of a Star Wars like Force yeah. message, revelation. I don't know. Like in Force Awakens, never raises your parents. But like, eh, no, never mind. Uh, anyway, so he wakes up to see Breeze and Beldre. Beldre. I don't know why I think of the name like that. Uh, and they, they tell him to rest, and obviously he doesn't want to. But Gordo volunteers to get the message to Vin or die trying. Uh, and Spook writes the message on Metal. So smart. And I love how Gordo volunteers, like... Because he's that soldier that Vin saved, right, in Final Empire. Um, yeah. He was a guard of Critic Shaw. And he's just like, you know, uh, Vin saved my life, and I'll give my life for Vin. It's like, yeah, you're dead. 
<laughs> You're taking a very important message to the main character alone. Yeah. You're dead. Uh, Maybe you should have had some backup. <laughs> I, I don't... Well, based off what kills him, I don't think backup would have saved him. But yes. Um, so that's it for chapter 65. Or four, sorry. Chapter 65. Um... Uh, the epigraph just talks about how Lord Ruler knew that his own people, the other uh, terrorists, would not see him as a hero of ages. Um, and that, and then it goes on to talk about how the ruin had eventually, over time, subtly turned Lord Ruler into a tyrant, like you know, just whispers and made him more suspicious of his own people and stuff like that. Which that kind of sucks. I mean, you know, imagine having your entire legacy tarnished. You are literally saved mankind, kind of. Um, I mean, you did the best, right, with what you could in the, like, few seconds that you could head, hold on to godhood. Um, so anyways, yeah, he saves mankind, and he's going to be remembered as the tyrant of 10 centuries. Uh, <laughs> that sucks. And also it talks about that he chose Elemancy over Furukami because Furukami, um, you know, they have good memories, and he didn't want anyone to challenge his rule. So in it just starts off with the uh, sixty five just starts off with Ellen wondering whether or not he should still attack. And then okay, so I don't I wanna know what you thought about this kind of character moment. It felt kind of half baked to me. Ellen or sorry, yeah, Ellen is wondering whether or not he should attack, and then Ham kind of just makes a convicted statement saying, No, I don't think he should attack. Instead of having this whole uh, mental backflips and like you know hypothetical philosophical inner monologue he just says nah I don't think you should attack um, and it felt like it was supposed to be a much bigger moment than it actually turned out to be and that brings up a bigger question I guess that is Ham kind of just a, a throw uh, a Maybe not a useless character, but like a missed opportunity character. Yeah, he was my favorite in book one. And since book one, it kind of feels like he's just been cast aside. Yeah, definitely. Like he so, uh, he had some of a role in book one and book two, he got his butt wolfed by Vin. And then after that, not really anything. Yeah, he served for <laughs> the pure purpose of showing that Vin is strong. Basically, yeah. I don't yeah. even think he did that much in book one, to be honest. And I can't even see him being like a good like tactical general either, right? He just like does basic stuff. At well, the very, I mean, he, I was, really like the chemistry with him and Breeze, but we don't. Yeah, even but we get didn't. That. We didn't get to see that either anymore. Yeah. You know? Um. And again, that's why I feel like this moment here, this oh, this is a big deal that Ham, the guy who can't you know make up his mind, can decide decide which ice cream to order from Baskin Robbins. Ham, that ham. He came up with a conclusion, you know, on such a big occasion like this. He feels kind of lost on me, personally. But whatever. Uh, Yeoman sees that Ellen is pulling back. And then Vin takes his opportunity to start mocking Ruin. um, Saying that she knew that Ruin was kind of egging them and playing them. Which, of course, we know, the reader knows it. She's lying. Ruin doesn't because she can't. He can't read minds. Um, 
And Yeoman starts calling. Oh, oh, by the way, this chapter has a lot of POV switches. Um, and I kind of like that because that makes action like moments like very hype because it's like constantly jumping around battlefield and locations yeah. and stuff. I it's love like that. Book two. Yeah. Oh, man. That was so well done. Mm-hmm. And even book one, actually, the whole execution scene and Kelsey are dying to Lord Ruler. And that, yeah. I love the POV. It wasn't near the level of book two, though. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Book two was. And it also, honestly, pacing wise, it improves the pacing because sometimes you kind of get bored of a chapter when you see that there's a POV like page break, I guess, coming up. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, ooh, something about to happen. Um, but yeah, so Yeoman calls for the attack. And at this point, like just Pewee jumps back to Ham and Ellen, and Ham is, you know, Ellen calls for a retreat, but Ham's wondering why Yeoman's attacking outside his walls because his greatest asset is the walls, right? Like you're attacking a superior force, um, and he's got thirty thousand colas. Like, why are you gonna attack now? But Ellen says this is his basic. The basic idea is the same as what Ellen has been doing whenever they've been going from city to city, like what we saw at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Ruin, can, and this is, at this point, I think Ruin does this out of anger more than anything. He tells Vin, he's like, did you really think that you were controlling the Coloss, like, just because? Like, you control it because I, I allow you to control it. I thought that was a really boss move by, by uh, Ruin here. He's just like, you do what I allow you to do. It, it felt like a really powerful moment. Like, I felt it there. Yeah. And up until this point, honestly, other than, you know, the volcano and the end of the world, which I guess you could say it should be convincing enough to show you the power. There, There's a sense of presence that you should feel from a almighty evil god that I, I feel like I haven't gotten from Ruin until now. When he just straight up... Like and it again, it feels more out of pride and anger than it does out of something calculated. Where he just looks over to Vin and he's just like, "Watch this!" And then he takes control. Not even takes it. He rips control away from Ellen of all thirty thousand colas and just starts beating the tar. Out of Ellen's <laughs> men who are standing right next to the Colas. And um so yeah, and Vin takes this opportunity to jump on Marsh and she grabs the sash which or Marsh's sash, which has all the metal vials, downs them, and then she fires the earrings at um uh sorry, Marsh and so we finally get a hundred percent confirmation for basically anyone who's left over that yes, him, him. um, she <laughs> was being not I don't know what control, but yeah, hemorrhage spike, those earrings, and that's why she, her sister had to have been a seeker or something like that, and then you know stabbed through or something that that makes sense, right? That um, those earrings were her sisters, I guess her baby sister, which is kind of messed up. Um, but yeah. Uh, so because Ruin disappears, right? As soon as she fires the earrings and they're no longer piercing her body. So she tries to take the Coloss away from Yeoman's army, but I mean, that's like not going to do anything. Um, Yeoman at this point, who 
up until this point has like refused to budge, right? Like he still believes that Lord Ruler is alive, even though previously Marsh said to him, "Is like again out of anger." I think it was Ruin saying it through Marsh out of anger, like, "No, your God's dead." By the way, which again doesn't serve any purpose other than to just piss someone off. And he, I think he just did it because he was angry, which, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. Okay, so preservations, obviously, you know, when you have a ruin, a chaos-based god, you kind of think of him as an angry kind of god. But hypothetically speaking, could you have one that's just not? He just does it as a matter of fact. He's like, yep, I got to go destroy this. Why? I'm chaos. I literally, that's literally my purpose. Do you get my question? Like sort of what if, what if he's not angry right like is that is that so bad like what if he's just destroying because it's just a matter of fact like that's just his job to do like a de- let's say a demolition worker right his job is to destroy old buildings to be replaced by new ones right like a demolition worker could be angry i guess but he could also just be a regular joe yeah uh, yeah I guess it's not like bad, but it's like yeah. I mean, like again, <laughs> it feels like kind of like a generic personality of a chaos god, but yeah. Um, at the same time, I'm not against it either. It's not like it's bad, uh, because a god of chaos, and then you stop him from doing what he's doing, he's gonna get mad. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not the end of the world. Uh, again, I, it feels like I'm ripping on Sanderson. I'm really not. Like I said, I'm being really nitpicky. Um. Because, you know, you could decide to have, give your god whatever personality you want to give him, and then he chose to go with that one. You know, I could nitpick if it was the other way around, too. So, whatever. Um, so, yeah. So, at this point, Yeoman opens up the gates, allowing Ellen's army to come in, which, I mean, it's kind of hard to do when you're surrounded by Kolos. So, Ellen's army is... Um, oh, sorry, no. One big moment here. She tries to control Marsh. Marsh starts strangling her, and the mists help her. So <laughs> clearly, you just gotta be strangled by this big, scary dude, and then the mists will help you. You could be you getting be stabbed like, uh... and beaten down by Zane. Nah, dude, you on your own. But oh my god, you're getting strangled. Help you. So the mists help her, and then Marsh flees. We'll your heart rate has to be below uh, five. Yeah, okay. Gotta save her. Yeah, Marsh flees. Ellen's army is fighting Coloss, and Vin jumps in to help. Chapter 66. I'm moving fast because I mean there's not much to talk about. Chapter 66, epigraph. Uh Inquisitors have several spikes which made it more difficult to resist ruin, which I feel like is more of a testament to Marsh being able to maintain even some sense of like, you know, sanity under all those spikes mm-hmm. uh but yeah that sucks for him uh seiza is traveling with tensoon and and then he starts feeling bad that you know this is a time when humanity needed his religion his teaching of religions the most and he wasn't there uh which i mean i feel for him you know uh, kind of went through a depression thing, and now he feels like he's on the brink of going back into depression because he feels like he let the world down. Um, 
And then so Tensoon starts annoying. <laughs> and Tensoon starts teaching him about his people, and he says something like, uh, "Condor only had two spikes, which allows him to have more freedom." Which you know harkens back to the epigraph, where because it's just two, it's I guess it's harder for Ruin to control them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also goes on to explain that the blessings, those hemology spikes in them, it's not like Alamancy or Furukami where it runs out, right? The blessings, they never run out. But in exchange of that, I guess, uh, they're not as strong. So his speed, you know, he, he'll maintain that speed forever, but it's not going to be as fast as a Furukami, a Furukamist or an Alamancer who's just burning pewter constantly. So, he does talk about the prophecy. It says that um, Vin is going to lead an army of Alamancers to the homeland, which is the Pits of Hassan, or right next to the Pits of Hassan, which I think was kind of funny. Uh, Ironic. Yeah, I mean, you know, we thought it would be like something, some new location. It's like, literally, it was right next to the army that Kelsier was forming the entire time. <laughs> so, yeah. Tensoon drops him off and then deuces he heads out with his horse bones. Um, chapter 67 Kolas having four spikes reduced the mental capacity and made dominating them really easy. It's, but it was really difficult when they were angry and I'm kind of curious to see if maybe Ruin can't control them when they're angry either. But it's much easier when they're afraid. Which leads me to my next question. Have we ever seen Kolas afraid? If not, I have a feeling that whatever happens, um, we're going to see Kolos get afraid towards the grand finale. And someone is going to use that moment to control the Kolos. Mm. <clears throat> That's my theory, anyways. Um, it may just be more world building and just filling out the details of everything and not actually relevant to the plot, but, and I'm okay with that, by the way, I, I do love that. Um, inject, you know, straight world building right into my veins. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just theorizing for the future. Yeah. So Ellen and Vinner in Frederick city gets hit by a massive earthquake, which they save yeoman's life there too. Um, but, Vin is thinking about her fight with Marsh, and she realizes that, you know, that Miss only help her whenever she's in dire need. And so she's thinking about she's going to have to trick Ruin as well as, um, you know, get herself in a position where she can. Because she said that she touched Ruin's mind when she tried controlling Marsh. So she, but through that connection, she touched Ruin's mind and she saw that he was really scared when the Mists helped her. Um, mm-hmm. So. That means preservation's power is, I think, is at this point, because remember, Ruin is not at full power yet. He's still charging up. So I think preservation's power at this point is still strong enough that it could present him with some difficulties, at the very least. That's why Marsh had fleet. Um, so Ellen assures Yeoman that if worse comes to worst, then they can retreat into the caverns and not to worry that the Lord Ruler had found these caverns for the sole purpose of you know, being doomsday resistance. Um, a genius, man. I know, man. He really did care for his people. Poor guy. Like I said, gonna go down in history as a tyrant for 10 centuries. Um, 
So Vin comes up with a plan to trick Ruin. And of course, you can't say it out loud, which again, I don't understand why don't they just write it out on a sheet of metal? This this was why I brought up the question earlier, where like, you know, okay, yeah, I get it. You can't say it out loud, but just write it on metal. And that's when I thought at the time that, you know, they can't, they don't know if uh, Ruin can read it or not. But now Vin, I feel like, has kind of gotten confirmation that Ruin can't read it. So why don't you just write out the plan on metal? Yeah. You know, I, I, I hate to say this is a plot hole. Maybe I'm missing something, but this feels almost like a plot hole to me. Like, just get a massive sheet of metal and start writing your dissertation, you know? Like, start writing out your plan. Start writing out what you found out. Start comparing notes. It just feels kind of dumb to me here. Um. So anyway, she knows that Ruin's listening, so she starts talking about how she's going to go get the ATM. Um, Ellen plays along relatively well, and she leaves for Luthado. And her words here, and I thought this was so beautiful. Her words here, she says, let's have a chase, you and I. And for those of you who don't remember, Kelsier said the exact same words in Chapter 2, I think, of Final Empire, when the Inquisitor was chasing Vin. This is before Vin even met Kelsier. When Vin and I want to say Kamen were being yeah, followed, yeah, were being followed by the Inquisitor, and Kelsier wanted to, you know, ditch the tail. Um, Kelsier says, you know, let's have a chase, you and I. Which I thought Vin saying it again here, kind of, you know, echoing her pseudo father. I, I love it. That. I, I love moments like this. I didn't notice it honestly first time either, and then you know. Obviously, second time reading Here of Ages, it stuck out to me. So I loved it. It Obviously, it's not a coincidence. There's no way something word for word like that can be a coincidence. To me, it was just beautiful. But chapter 68, the epigraph. <clears throat> when he turned, when the Lord Ruler had turned all the existing Faroukamis into Mistwraith, and then, of course, you know, his friends directly into Kondra, he had forgotten about the gene that exists in, you know, uh, I guess all terrorism, right? Where they may be carrying the gene, but it's just not active, right? Like some people may be carrying a disease genetically, but they're just not showing any symptoms because that gene is, I don't even know, I'm not a genetic, I'm not a biologist, but that gene is not active. So that's cool that he kind of closed that possible uh, uh, plot hole. I thought that was, like I'm not I'm not saying that it was a plot hole, but it was. Uh, it's really well done. It doesn't feel yeah, rushed or out. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like he had planned this out. So well done to him. Again, master of his craft. Can never take anything away from the guy. So Cesar's going through the homeland, and he notices that a bunch of Condor are scared of him. I'm guessing it's because they've never had really an outsider come into the homeland, but. I mean, I don't know. Says is a nice guy. He'll be fine. And he continues asking questions. And he tells him he's the announcer. The second generation kind of wave him off like they did 10 soon, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. That one guy, the same guy who was questioning 10 soon is the same guy who was talking to Says Um which, Oh, my God. I hope that guy dies. He's so annoying. Um, <laughs> he seems like that, just like that middle management guy you know that you just want to punch in the face it's like dude you're not an exec 
and I can't say anything to you because you are middle management, but you're just the worst. Can't say I relate. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. You will eventually. But um anyways, a first generation pop up and they call and I love this too. They call him Worldbringer, which is the old words for or the old name for the uh the Frucumus. Um mm-hmm. who care the carry on the metal mines and stuff like that. I love that. It felt like a it felt like the first generation, which are way older than says that are giving him a sense of respect, which I liked a lot. So anyways, uh, yeah, the first generation agrees to meet with him. Chapter 69. Um, the epigraph, I th- in my opinion, this epigraph, I think, is more of a calling towards the greater Cosmere itself. It talks about who came up with the Hero of Ages prophecy. So this is more like an origins, 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 origin story. You know, if you keep tracing back, oh, okay, fine, this ruin and preservation. But then, you know, who came up with the prophecy of the Hero of Ages? Um, Again, I think this has more to do with uh, Cosmere as a whole. So this chapter, again, very short. Um, Marsh is uh, thinking about she he wanted to tell Vince something and then couldn't. Um, and then Ruin takes control of him again and then have him, has him just absolutely wreck Gorodel, uh, which... Uh, He's the guy, remember, who is carrying Spook's message to Vin. And he has, Ruin has Marsh read out loud the message that was on the medal, which at this point for sure proves to all of us that, yes, he cannot read what's in metal. Yep. Chapter 70, epigraph. This one just like literally craps all over Bellion. <laughs> just says that he spiked himself and he was like already unstable it's like ooh, that's harsh um yeah yeah. but i don't feel bad for the guy uh you know entire city's in fire because of him um ellen and yeoman have kind of an uneasy truce and they're walking uh by their soldier camp and i thought this was really cool because it, it shows like a contrast of leadership yeoman's not a bad guy right um yeoman uh, but he doesn't have really hands-on experience, right? I feel like Yeoman is now where Ellen was at back in Well of Ascension. Uh, he feels like he rules more from his uh, philosophical books than he does like actual hands-on experience. And for what it's worth, he's doing a relatively good job. Um, so anyways, <clears throat> he did convert the ministry building into the infirmary, which I think shows a level of flexibility where he's not like, you know, no, this is a place of worship. We can't rah, rah, rah. So that was cool. Um, from a character perspective, I mean. So a woman comes in, and she did not have her son vaccinated to, to the mists. Uh, so who knew that this chapter would be so relevant to today? Anyways. Um, Sanderson, is that clairvoyant you were talking about? <laughs> yes, Anderson is for sure clairvoyant. But he's just burning ATM at all times. So he sees way far ahead of that. The Rallum um, ATM. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, yeah, th- he is not vaccinated. And so he's really sick because the mists start, you know, strangling him. And Ellen at this takes up this opportunity to ask Yeoman if he found any, you know, found anything in particular regarding the sickness. Yeoman doesn't think so because remember, 
up until this point, he had led everything under the whole Lord Ruler's religion thing. So to him, 16 was like a powerful number. That's not a coincidence. And he understands that it's not natural, that it is like, you know, a work of a higher being. But to him, he thought it was the Lord Ruler, his God. So he didn't really question or care too much about it. But he said, you know, 16 days, the Lord Ruler, it took him to get to the Well of Ascension. The original Inquisitor number count was 16. And he said there's 16 medals. Which, like, is that what they're going to use to beat Ruin? The, you know, metal number 15 and 16. So, anyways. Called it. um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that was kind of obvious. Next try. Um, Yeah, so Ellen starts thinking, like, you know, he hasn't seen pain like this. And he starts thinking back to, you know, I haven't seen pain like this since... You know, my dad beat the crap out of me to try and get me to snap and, you know, show my possible elementic powers. And then he starts thinking, wait a second, the mists, because remember, he had talked to preservation, kind of. He played like, you know, uh, charades with the preservation and preservation confirmed to him that the mists weren't killing the people. Remember, we talked about maybe some ash particles are getting into the mist and that's what's killing people. Yeah. So, or, you know, even making them sick. And it looks like the mist was actually, was, like, spiking. Like, trying to get people to snap and then turn them into Elementers. And we know for a fact that Ellen is right, because, A, this is, you know, not the most complex book in the world, so people aren't exactly wrong, especially main characters, aren't exactly wrong with stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And, B... Because Ruin chooses this moment to attack like right away. Because he knows that Ellen figured it out. Right? And, he, and because up until this point, um, Ruin was just stacking up Coloss. Like he's just gathering all the Coloss, getting ready to just stomp Fadric City. Right? Like he was just, he had enough to invade and possibly just sack the city anyways, but he really wanted to make a statement. Um, and so, yeah, he. Um, He starts attacking because he knows that the uh, that Ellen's right, that the mists were, were not really attacking people just because they hated people, but they were attacking him because they wanted to, the mists wanted to wake people up and, you know, make some of them Alamancers. So he tells Yeoman to gather up uh, as many Alamantic vials as he can. He just has them, like, you know, give them to the people and then see which, you know, we have Alamancers now. So now he, they can... The tide has kind of turned in their favor a bit. But the problem is that they don't have much time to really get ready. So I'm kind of curious here, like, where are they going to go? So, yep. Uh, but yeah, that's about it from us for that episode. Uh, that's, I don't know about you guys, but reading again, it has me so hyped. Especially those mm-hmm. those mini chapters have me hyped because there's just there's not a lot in them. But it really pushes the story forward. Uh, so yeah it uh it's like dense more than anything else yeah yeah i think that's the best way to put it so anyways um yeah that's about us uh, about it from us for this episode it's next time we'll be covering part five and it won't actually be next week um one of us has finals coming up you know you guys do the math which one of us 
Yeah, um, I think uh, he's graduating with uh, his uh, major in biology. He's getting a PhD, so you know. Yeah, in genetic. That's why we genetic call that yeah. biology geneticist. But yeah, so we will not be. Unfortunately, uh, the plan was you know just bum rush the last part, but you know whatever life happens. So we are going to be doing uh, finishing up Year of Ages next time but the episode will be going live a week later uh as always please follow us on twitter at pod underscore bookkeeper and discord uh link is available in all the show notes as well as um you know follow us on tiktok keepers of the book as well as instagram also keepers of the book more tiktok than instagram instagram i just post pictures every now and then um tiktok is that's where the real stuff is at um But yeah, until next time, thanks everyone. Thank you.